This is Camp Code, another innovative podcast brought to you by Camp Hacker. Camp Code is dedicated to helping you create and facilitate the most effective leadership training so we as an industry can raise the bar for professionalism and preparedness of our staff. You can find our show notes and our blog for camp leaders and directors at camphacker.tv. Welcome to Camp Code, a podcast brought to you by Camp Hacker. This podcast is dedicated to what many camp professionals believe to be the most important time at camp, no matter what you call it, staff training, orientation, or leadership training. This critical time period prepares your staff to fulfill all the promises that you make to parents and customers throughout the rest of the year. I'd like to get started this morning with an introduction of our host. So let's start off with Beth. Hi, I'm Beth Allison. I'm a co-owner of Camp Hacker. I'm a former camp director and executive director in Muskoka, Ontario, Canada, and I'm now a camp consultant with my husband, Travis, and we're located in Woodstock, Ontario. And Gab. And yeah, well, my name is Gabrielle Rail, and I'm one of the camp directors at Camp Waro. Uh, camp Waro is an all-girls camp situated in the Laurentians, Quebec. And I'm Ruby Compton. I'm the Summer Camp Program Director at Green River Preserve. We are a nature-based program uh, located on 3,400 acres of private wildlife preserve in western North Carolina near Asheville. So this morning's topic is intelligent leadership training design. Uh, So we want to discuss today a little bit about how to set up your staff training and some of the scheduling. And Beth, will you share a little bit more about why we wanted to talk about this topic? Absolutely. We chose this topic because we cannot stress enough the importance of well-thought-out, well-planned, and exceptionally intentional leadership training. So it's imperative that we, as camping professionals, take the time now to think through every minute of every day of training and use each one of those minutes to our advantage. So whether it's making the most of a learning session or a time of community building or ensuring our staff is well-rested and ready to go when the campers finally arrive. So as always, we want to be really intentional with everything we do so we thought it was important to talk about this topic fantastic and I want to first go around and have each of us share about our staff training just a little bit about length um, you know maybe certain trainings that you cover or not like do you do CPR certification those sort of things um, because staff trainings do vary greatly depending on where you are and you know what kind of camp you are that kind of stuff so Gab will you start off just giving us a brief overview of how much time you have for staff training and, and how that works for you guys uh, sure. So our staff are typically divided into three groups, uh, leadership team, activity heads, and, and then the rest of our staff. Our activity heads and um, our resource staff all have cabin groups. Um, but for if you're not an activity head, then your staff training is eight days. Uh, if you're an activity head, you have a two-and-a-half-day um, training just before uh, everybody else comes. And then our leadership team, their staff training is approximately 10 days. Cool. How about you, Beth? What about uh, what are some trainings that you've facilitated and been a part of? So pretty much the same kind of setup as Gab. When we were directing, we had an eight-day training session for uh, the entire staff team, but had pr- uh, prior trainings for other members. So leadership team members and so on came a few days early. Resource staff, we called them not activity heads, but just a different name for the same thing. Uh, so we had training prior to that. But we also believed in starting training right from hiring day. So we had um, hiring day rather than just interviews where we would bring all the applicants together. We divided them into two groups. So we had a day in January for our senior staff, resource staff, and a day in February for counseling staff. Uh, So they were, we started training with them because those were like eight hour long days, Um, maybe six or seven, but they were long days, including eating lunch together. Um, And so we really started the training there. We also would host a weekend in April. Uh, In the beginning, we had one for counselors and one for resource staff, but nearer the end, Travis and I just ran out of weekends. So um, we used to do just the one uh, in the city, so not at camp. Um, and for us, because we are we were a Christian camp, 
we um, met at a church for a weekend, um, did all kinds of training and group building community things on the Saturday, slept overnight in the church and led the church in worship the next morning together and then had lunch together. And of course, we also had our staff orientation in May, which was a weekend where all of the staff would come up uh, to camp for a weekend in May. And it's really where we focused on group building. There was some sort of training aspects to it, but it was really sort of community building, um, getting our feet under us, uh, sort of setting the foundation, all that kind of stuff. And of course, we also did in-service at the end of July for three days where um, there were no campers there, and we did some retraining. And I know, Ruby, you've done that stuff too um, as well. Cool. Uh, so at Green River, we actually are really lucky to have a luxurious staff training. We have about two weeks with our full staff. Amazing. And it, oh, it's fantastic. And um, we, this year, are going to a system where, again, some of our naturalists, our activity coordinators are coming in a couple days early to get some additional training before the full staff arrives. Uh, but we have a lot of trails that we have to take the staff out on. We do a full staff camp out during our, um, during our leadership training. Uh, we also do a full weekend where the, the staff are just out on hikes. So they you know, eat breakfast, go out on a hike for three hours, come back, eat lunch go out on another hike for three hours. Um, wow. So that takes up some time, but there are just trails and places the staff have to learn uh, to lead the kids out there. So that's one of the reasons we, we have such a long staff training. Um, and we also do CPR and first aid as part of our staff training. Um, we do a hybrid course through the Red Cross. So they do a lot of the book learning ahead of time, um, and then they do a skills verification once they're mm-hmm. at camp. Um, and we don't offer many other trainings specific for, for camp, uh, but there are several camps in our area and in our network that do. And so if staff are needing a lifeguard certification or um, if they're needing a climbing certification, archery, whatever it might be, uh, we'll send them to a couple other camps that really specialize that and kind of run that as another business mm-hmm. throughout the month of May. Um, the YMCA camp where I was previously, we did one week of staff training. When we opened up resident camp, we started doing overnight staff training, and that was a big difference. But, you know, I did three <laughs> years of just – we did staff training eight to five for five days, and that was it. And it's kind of terrifying to me, but that's certainly the way that a lot of people do it. Um, and uh, so, it's again, that was a very similar setup to what you guys have been talking about, about having that leadership team come in maybe early on, a few weeks out, then have your activity coordinators and some of that specialized training, and then having that full staff join in. So seeing several different models. Um, so having kind of given that overview and that framework, um, I want to, again, start big picture and talk about how does your staff training progress? Um, so when you're looking at the big picture of training, how do you set it up? Um, are there things you tend to do at the beginning, things you tend to do at the end? Are there ways that you set up your schedule that are different during training versus uh, the rest of the summer? Um, are there any special routines that you only have during training? So, Beth, why don't you start us off by telling us a little bit about how you look at the setting up orientation big picture wise. Okay. Uh, After years of training um, and us always tweaking every year just to uh, make things better, um, we found that one year things got really complicated. Like it just became so complicated. So we decided from that point on to make it really simple but significant. That was sort of our, our goal. So we ran it as much as possible like summer camp because we wanted the staff to get used to that routine. And we ran everything the way we did during the summer. So we obviously added in special touches here and there. And I think that that's really important and a great opportunity to take advantage of that. But it was really key that that routine and the way things were done, meals, all those things, um, right from the the get-go, were set in place. Um, We even placed staff members in cabins. So we mixed them up with returning and new staff. And we put our senior staff or our leadership team people in as their counselors for the week. They greeted them on opening day. They helped them move into cabins just like campers. They lined up for meals in those cabin groups and, you know, sang as they were waiting to be let in. Uh, They ate with that cabin group uh, once a day. Um, The other two meals, we mixed them up with other staff. Um, They had a cabin theme during the week. It was a time for those so-called counselors to do extra special things for their campers. Um, Even one night, they would put them to bed um, and sort of give those techniques. Um, And it was a great way for those senior staff members to share that counseling advice and answer questions throughout the day. So um, we really sort of ran stuff like we ran summer. That was really important. 
And I would add on to that, to have your leadership team be successful in those roles, it's really critical that you have everything prepared and ready to go Absolutely. prior to training because I've been that leadership team member and we, we just weren't ready. And so we were um, really torn between needing to lead the cabin, but also needing to prepare for staff training the next day. Yes, and, exactly. And it didn't do anyone any good. So making sure that you go into staff training with everything prepared, you know, mm-hmm. ready to pull off the shelf and go, um, because that can be such a fantastic resource for the staff. Cool. Gab, what about you? Um, similar to Beth, the, I, I think having, having your, your staff training reflect what as closely as possible what your summer schedule looks like is very, very helpful. And as well as just showing them how you respect those times is going to help model for them to respect those times during the summer as well. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the simplification thing I think is key. And, and I think younger in the job directors uh, tend to go into the complicated and then you start to learn we need to simplify. So <laughs> yes. I certainly did the same thing. And, yeah. and it's because you have so many great ideas and you mm-hmm. want to implement them all. And um, but one of the things that we realized that w- was helpful for our staff members is that each day had a learning theme. Um, so we're always camper focused. So everything that we talk about has to do with the camper and has to do ha- um, with how to care for the camper. Um, however, um, you know, one day would be an activity day and it'd be really focused on how you run activities. You know, what do we do when campers are late? Just very, very focused on that. Another day would be on, on programs. Another day would be on safety and, uh, you know, so on and so forth. And so we simple each day sort of had a theme um, and we incorporated sort of camper behavior management within those themes. But uh, that really helped the staff understand um, what they were learning that day and what that focus was. And, and that really helped us organize um, our information. And some of the days were half themed days because there's just a little bit less information. But uh, that's been very helpful for us. And, and I think our staff uh, really, uh, really benefited from it. Cool. And we had a, actually a specific question on the Summer Camp Pros Facebook page from Mark Perlman, who asked um, this question, that research shows that teens do better when waking up later. Um, so should we shift our schedule during staff training? You know, normally we would do flag raising at 8 when our kids are there. So do we do the same during staff training but started at 9 instead um, to, to work more in line with that biology? Do either of you all have thoughts on that? Yeah, we tried both. Um, so we've done both. Um, the one year that we tried uh, having a two, we had a two hour delay um, because we had read up on all of that sort of thing. So breakfast was at 10. Um, I think our cooks were going to quit and walk away that particular year. So that was a bit of a stressor. Um, and we did find that uh, staff did a little bit better in terms of having, uh, just being more alert first thing in the morning, because we know that uh, teenagers are, are do better starting about 1030 rather than 830. Um, but we found it very difficult the following week when campers showed up and um, then we had to back the hours up. And so it was a bit of a struggle to do that. Um, so we went back to the way of getting them used to what it would be like in the summer. But I have some other thoughts on that area that we'll discuss a little bit later on the show. But I have tried it, and uh, we decided for us it just didn't work as well. Cool. Um I, I, I tend to agree with that. I, I feel like one of my goals in staff training is to get the staff on that schedule. If you're going to wake up at 7.30, you're going to eat breakfast at 8, you're going to eat breakfast at 12.30, you're going to eat, bre- at, or eat lunch at 12.30, dinner at 6.30, and that's that's how it's going to be. And so just go ahead and getting them into that routine um, I, I think is, is more beneficial than necessarily resetting that schedule again after staff training. So... Um, but that's a great question, and I think something certainly to consider. I also love to give my staff a, an occasional sleep-in date, and mm-hmm. that's just it's the best thing ever when you give them one of those. That's right. <laughs> and um, it's free. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, for, for us, same thing. We try both. Um, I, I think, there, yes, there's a, there is studies that show that uh, young adults function better uh, later on in the day. However, it's not just functioning better. It's also, it's, it's not, it's, a, it's the warm-up period. So uh, the thing is, is that if you're able to give your staff a warm-up period and, and what you expect of them early in that 
part of the day isn't as much as a little bit later. Um, all they really need is about half an hour. So there are studies that if, you know, uh, young adults could wake up later, they're, they're, they're higher functioning, but it's because that they wake up and they start right at that time. So if you give them a warm-up period before, so our staff meetings are, are before they wake up their campers. Um, and that makes a very, very big difference. When, when I'm talking to them, I, I let them know that they can have sleepy eyes, you know, I don't mind as long as they're taking their notes. Um, but when they get to their campers, they have they have a big smile and they're ready to go. So during staff training, we do the same thing. And during uh, those meetings, we have a continental breakfast. Um, there's, there's snacks there, so there's nobody fainting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, but, but it's also just to put into your framework, you know, recognize in your schedule uh, what you're expecting of them. And uh, in the morning, let them warm up. It's still get, still do stuff that's important, but let them warm up. Um, but I, I definitely think that you need to follow the schedule of your of, of the campers when they arrive um, and make sure that the learning, you know, uh, happens during that, in that schedule. Mm-hmm. I think there's a, a great, like, staff training theme week there that, you know, you're athletes and you are training for this big task, the Olympics of summer camp. And um, so we got to warm up. We got to cool down. You know, we have to provide those same times just like an athlete would. And it takes practice and all of those things. So there's, there's definitely a way you could run with that. And um, whether you're expressly saying it or not, I think that that could be a fun way to do it. Um, I, I just want to add to the kind of the big picture discussion um, that I really try to set up my staff training uh, so that we are doing general, you know, very overview kind of stuff. We're talking about the mission. We're doing our community building. Um, we're exploring the activities. We're doing all that stuff at the beginning. And, you know, staff training is overwhelming. There's lots of new people. There's lots of new information. You're in a new place. And so I want to start big and help them understand why you're here. And um, this is an important job. And then after we've gotten that buy-in, then we can discuss the nitty-gritty of this is how you need to clean up pea sheets, you know? <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> if you hit them with that the first day, it's it's going to be tough. Um, and so I think that that's really important. Um, and as we've said many times, that community building is such a key element. And I think having the staff play together in those first 24 to 48 hours is so critical um, to building the foundation of your staff for the rest of the summer. Uh, so that's, that's really where I start. And it's, you know, it may seem ridiculous to devote, you know, significant amounts of time to just letting the staff play together. But I think it is a critical piece for the formation of that group. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I think we're all on the same page with that for sure. Um, another critical piece that we started to add in later, um, that was such a good thing for us was that we invited the families or the parents to stay for lunch, Uh, when they dropped their children off, who are not really children, but who are adults, obviously. Um, And it was usually just the parents of new staff members who accepted. Uh, The other, you know, older staff members obviously are driving themselves and leaving their cars at camp. But um, new parents would come. We would give them a tour as parents of staff members, not as parents of campers anymore. So it was different. So they got to see the staff lounge, the staff washrooms, the lockers, like all those kinds of things that they wouldn't necessarily have known about when they were parents of campers. We played games with them, which was awfully fun with their children as well. Um, And then after lunch, we would have a meeting and we would go over what was expected of their child over the course of the summer. We would talk about when it was okay to contact their child, um, how we would hope um, they would help their children to be responsible and to do the best jobs possible. We would answer questions about when time off was and all those kinds of things because we found that 17 and 18 year olds often weren't terribly forthcoming with that kind of information to their parents. Um, And so it was a really positive addition. It was something that just worked really well for us. uh, And it really got our parents on board. Now we talked with new parents on hiring days as well at the end of each hiring day, but this was just a really nice way for them to feel a part of things. And we would go over the things their child was responsible for in the summer. um, And they were always amazed. They couldn't believe that their child whom they thought of, you know, still as their little baby was going to be able to be responsible for all of those things. Um, so it was just a really positive addition. I think that's such a great idea. Um, I think that, uh, when you're trying to help, 
um, staff members make the transition from being a camper to a staff member. And, mm -hmm. of course, that CIT-LIT period is helpful. Yep. You still have parents that are extremely uh, anxious mm -hmm. or, you know, and this is some people would maybe would look at this as maybe doting on the parents. Uh, I think this is something that would that actually would ease their 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 nerves as well yes. as I mean you, you have the experience from it but I, I would assume that that's what would that's what would happen and as well as just as a promotional piece yes um, such a fantastic idea I think that's so that's well, so nice and it cut down on issues through the summer um, with parents of staff members um, and they just felt really welcome and it was not a, a difficult thing I mean they would drop them off at you know 11 uh, we'd play games with the parents and tour them and so on before lunch and then have a, a meeting after lunch with just the parents while other staff members or directors were doing other things with the staff and the parents were gone by two o'clock um, so it was not a, a, a big part of the day but we found taking a, a director out and offering them the parents that piece made a huge difference. Um, so it's something I would recommend. Very cool. Gab, did you have other thoughts on the big picture? I think, I think just on the, it goes back to simplicity, but, um, a lot of camps have, uh, as we spoke about, um, staff members coming in in staggered times, depending on the position that they have at camp. And one of the things that I found to be very, very easy or has helped us a lot is, uh, to tell staff members that their training day starts at nine o'clock on this date. So everybody mm -hmm. starts at 9 a.m. and they have the choice to come in the evening before, mm -hmm. um, and they, but they can only come in after four o'clock in the afternoon and they're responsible for themselves. And of course, we're very welcoming towards them, but usually there's training during that time and uh, we have to be focused on that training. So we always have a welcomer. We always have somebody that's going to, uh, especially if there's a, there's a new staff, but uh, of course, if they're returning staff as well, that welcomes them, um, makes sure, you know, that they're, that they get something to eat, go on a tour with the family, all this kind of stuff. But we start at nine. So everybody that comes in, we know that staff training is at nine o'clock, um, no matter what group you're part of and that anybody can come in the day before they can drive in that morning. It's up to them. Um, but just keeping those things consistent, I think is very, very helpful and having a designated welcomer yes. uh, for those random people that are coming Absolutely. in. Um, but, a, a, you know, people sometimes want to come in at nine o'clock in the morning, the day before, and then they're just, <laughs> they're hanging around, they get more and more anxious, they get, they get more and more nervous. So we want to limit that sort of free space for them. Fantastic. Any other thoughts on the big picture before we move on to the next question? I think... Well, I think that some of my former staff would be grateful that they worked for me then and not now because uh, the way that I look at it, I'd make a big change. Um, so when I was at Tri-State, I went to a session on uh, the culture of perfectionism in young women. And one of the things that they talked about was the need for sleep for that particular age group. And the fact that, um, you know, sort of 17 to 20 year olds need about nine and a half hours sleep a night. And the fact that because they are ex so much is expected of them now, they are, you know, trying to get perfect grades and, and be on all these activities and, and volunteer their time and do all this sort of thing. By the time they arrive at summer camp, they are 48 nights in the hole in terms of sleep. So they are getting so little sleep during the school year, they are 48 nights in the hole by the time they arrive at camp. And we just expect them to go, 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 go the whole time. Um, and we used to have um, a later curfew every night. I think it was 1 a.m. Um, and, you know, the bell rang at 7.30. And um, one night a week in that eight-day period, we would have the ETB or the early to bed where the, the senior counselors would put their campers to bed. Um, and I think I would change that up. If I were directing now, I think I would have everybody going to bed um, at a much earlier time, uh, you know, like 11, 11.30, no, no late nights. And one night during that week, I would let them stay up. So I would reverse it, I think, now, um, knowing what I know um, about the importance of sleep and the fact um, that, you know, 48 nights in the hole, then we get them to go constantly for eight straight days, and then the kids show up. Um, you know, are we getting enough out of them if we're not giving them enough rest? So I know some staff out there that would think, glad we already did that and we had our nights out, but <laughs> I think I would change it up. Cool. 
Um, so let's move on to our next question, which is um, specifically talking about when you're scheduling your modules or your sessions um, or your different lessons, what are some tips and tricks for making those as effective as they can be um, and really making sure your message sticks? Let's start with you, Gab. So, um, <clears throat> sorry, I'm just recapping. I was doing my homework and you taught me. <laughs> oh, <sorry. laughs> Doodling some notes down. Um, all right, ask me again. I'm so ready right now. <laughs> so this is a very good you know, teaching moment. So how do we make sure that uh, scheduling our sessions and our modules, uh, what are some good tips and tricks for making sure that they're effective, uh, making sure that we're getting our message across in the best way possible? So um, I, I think this is your question. If it's not, then it's still good information. Um, but, uh, <laughs> uh, okay, so basically uh, sequencing with all of your sessions is key, and that we sort of talked about that in the big picture. Um, knowing what your staff are anxious about and knowing... Um, you know, they, they have these preoccupied questions that's going on in their heads. And a lot of it has to do with how they're going to make sure that their job is done well and if they're going to make friends. And, and so the, mm. these are we want to sort of address these anxieties right at the beginning. And so any of the activities or sessions that we do um, sort of has to get them connected to the community as well as show them exactly what they're going to be learning throughout this training and that's worth their time. And that's very, very important that, that they get in their heads that everything that they're doing um, is worth their time. And one mm. of the ways that we do that is um, by, sh by letting them know exactly what they're going to be able to do once they leave, uh, once staff training is done. And we tell them that at the very beginning, we express expectations, of course, they express their expectations of us, but we create a group norm of how are we going to accomplish this as a team. Um, and, and the other thing is we make sure that our, our sessions are done in a time-effective way. Um, I've said this many times before, but I don't think speaking beyond 15 minutes uh, is useful. And so we let them know, know that we're not wasting our time. We'll be speaking no more in blocks of time of 15 minutes and lectures. Then we'll be getting them to think and, and do some work, and then we'll continue with some of the information. But expectations clearly at the beginning and addressing mm -hmm. those anxieties um, you know, and starting them off basically on, on, uh, what's our focus for camp? What, why are we here? What do we do? You know, everybody on the same page. Is that sort of what you're asking? Yeah. Right on top of it. Fantastic. Nice. <laughs> Great. <laughs> and I want to add to that. Um, I, at one of my last jobs, we had in our staff manual, a, these are the objectives of staff training. And it wasn't that you're going to know everything. It was you're going to be comfortable teaching seven of the 24 classes, and you're going to be comfortable leading three of the hikes and two of the evening programs of the you know seven or eight that we offered. Um, and so I think spelling that out for your staff, whether it's in writing in your staff manual, I read it to my staff last year and said, this is what we are expecting you to be able to do at the end of the, of the training period. And understand that it's not that you're going to know everything. That's totally fine. Um, I think the other expectation that's really important to spell out, because if you don't tell them, then they won't do it necessarily, is that you should be taking notes. Mm -hmm. This is you know, like yeah. school and that you're not going to remember everything and we're going to be giving you a lot of information. Uh, so you should be taking notes. And I always tell my return staff that you need to model taking notes, whether you're actually taking useful notes or not, you need to set that example. Cause if the, the new staff will see that, then that'll make them feel more comfortable. Like, Oh, they're doing it. I should do this too. Um, and so even if you're just writing down a little you know, tidbit here or there, have a notebook out, have a pen, um, and be ready, uh, because that's something that the staff are going to need. And, and even if they don't ever look at those notes again, we know that just going through that process of mm -hmm. writing it down does increase that learning. What about you, Beth? Absolutely. Um, so for us, I always try to remind myself that it's not about ideas. It's about making ideas happen. So you don't try to do so much that you don't get any of it done. 
Um, and we always referred back to our why statement with every session or every small activity that we were leading. Is this part of why we are here? Does this help to reinforce that message? And we talked a little bit about this in our last podcast, but a lot of that conversation took place offline after we were done. Um, yes, we love camp that much that we kept talking about camp even when we weren't recording. But we were talking about some of the ideas from Dr. Tim Elmore, who was the, the closing keynote at Tri-State. And he was talking about making those messages Facebook messages as opposed to trying to be a TV. So Gab already touched on that, that she wouldn't be lecturing for more than 15 minutes. But um, I think times have changed now. And the sessions that I used to do you know, 20 years ago that could be an hour and a half long now need to be broken up, I think, into shorter um, bits so that they can remember them better. Um, I also thought it was really important to physically change positions um, in the room. So not just where they are sitting or how they are sitting. And obviously for us, like every 15 minutes or so, they were standing up or moving around or we threw in a quick back pocket game um, to sort of break the session up if it was a bit longer. Um, But I would physically change positions uh, if we were always in in the lodge, um, move myself around so that my background in the course of an hour was four different things. Um, We would do it outside if we could. We would do it in the water if we could. We would do it on the roof of the lodge if we could. Um, Really change it up and think those sessions through beforehand. Um, How is your staff, are they comfortable enough to be able to listen or are they so comfortable that they're going to fall asleep? Um, So you just sort of have to kind of think those things through. Um, And we go back to this every single podcast, but we must front load. So always making sure that they have time to change um, clothes if they need to or letting them know know that they should come with their bathing suits under their clothes or dressed for their climbing wall skill session with their closed-toed shoes or um, have their hat and water, whatever it is they need. So letting them know that at perhaps a meal uh, during the day so that they come prepared to all of those sessions in the afternoon. Um, And we used to say things like, make sure you have your notebook and pen, Um, you know, that Ruby was talking about, all that kind of stuff, I think is really important to um, letting them front load. Cool. What about you, Gab? Any other tips and tricks you have? Um, I think this is a. I think this is a an important before as you're planning your staff training is an important part of that is reflecting on last year's staff training, mm-hmm. and um, if you're not only you know look at what worked and what didn't work, but also look at your staff and see how they've evolved as individuals. You'll have a lot of the same staff coming back. And, uh, and see how they fit into the puzzle. Um, and it, that's, a, that's a very important thing. And, and um, as Ruby had said, you want to you let your returning staff know that you still expect them to, to take notes. But how, can, how did these returning staff members fit into this year? How are we inspiring them? What are they going to gain out of this summer, um, out of this training, and how, without overwhelming our new staff? And I know that sounds a little bit complicated, but when you're sitting down and you're chit-chatting with your leadership team, um, it's, it's very doable. Um, but it's very, very important to also reflect on what was done last year and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and measure the successes and maybe some of the, the oopses and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> what could we have done differently, uh, <laughs> moments. And definitely ask your staff that. I mean, we have a staff evaluation. We do evaluations throughout the summer kind of obsessively and it's fantastic because it gives us lots of great information to use in the future. Um, one of the things that I think is really important to build into your, into your staff orientation is just some general activity exploration time, mm-hmm. um, some time for your staff to just go try some of the really cool stuff that you offer at camp. And if you give them that opportunity during orientation, it's less likely that they're going to be putting their needs first throughout the summer because they've already tried it. They've had an opportunity to climb to the top of the Alpine Tower or, you know, to go mountain biking or whatever. And I think that that's so helpful. And I think it's also really critical that you explain to the staff, this is a time for you to go try something new. So if you were here last year and you taught fly fishing all summer, 
don't go to fly fishing. Go to some activity that you didn't see uh, because I want you to try a new skill. This is not committing you to teaching this activity. This is not saying that you're going to become an expert. Um, and, and then they also get to see that activity run as it would be for kids uh, because they are a learner and a participant. And so mm-hmm. then they get to hear some of that language and um, see how that should play out. And I know as a staff member, having now been at three different programs, that's really helpful to just have that time to go try stuff out. And then um, the biggest example I can think of, I, I don't love heights. I didn't love heights at all when I started working at camp. And I forced myself to climb our Alpine Tower because I was like, if I'm going to tell my kids that they <laughs> should try it, I need to have tried it. And, I mean, it was one of those, like, every step I went, I hated life a little bit more. <laughs> but I made myself get up there, and I, I felt the sheer fear when the, the staff member at the bottom was like, all right, just slide off the platform, we'll lower you down. And I just remember thinking, they're crazy, you know? But having that experience... And having that, I made myself do it every year until I was on rope staff and then kind of got over that. But um, having that experience is so helpful for the staff when they are in that moment with that kid that's up there freaking out. And they can really legitimately say, I've been there. I know it's scary. Here's some things that helped me. So give your staff that time to explore all that awesome stuff that you're offering um, because it's going to make them love their job that much more. Nice. Um, I have a few more. Uh, I think that it's really important that uh, staff get rest hour. Uh, They need to rest too, and I think you need to make it restful. Uh, So I'm not necessarily talking about those days back when I was a camper and you had to lie horizontal in your bunk and you weren't allowed to talk to anybody um, back in the 70s, but um, that it needs to be a time that is restful. A couple of other things, uh, tricks that I used to pull out every year that I learned uh, as I uh, directed longer, I always had a basket of fidget toys. And I kept them um, at the front of a room, or I took them with me if I was in a different room uh, teaching a session. And I allowed staff to um, come up, grab a fidget toy, and I just went to the dollar store and bought like silly putty and you know balls and all those kinds of things. And they could play with them during the session as long as they were um, not playing with each other with them, or you know throwing the balls around the room, that sort of thing. But I, I had a, a staff member one year who taught me that. Um, um, she, she was such a fidgeter and she was always playing with something. And I, you know, used to talk to her after a session and say, were you actually paying attention? And she really was, but she needed to be fidgeting with something. So they just knew that they could come in, grab a fidget toy, sit down, play with it, um, and then put it back at the end of the session. Um, I always had peppermints for the first session after lunch. Um, it was a good way for them for digestion, but also um, sort of woke them up a bit. Always have something visual in every session because it really helps them to remember things. Um, It helped me to remember things for sure. Um, And one of the things that I I think is really key is uh, whether you use true colors or whatever sort of personality um, things that you use at your camp, you want to be able to show that you want to be sure that every session has something uh, for all four of those colors. So, um, you know, for those gold staff members, you want to make sure that you've given them a schedule so they know what's coming up and you're going to really do your best not to make changes at the last minute. Um, and you're going to, you know, give them time to get to know each other and be creative. If they're your blue staff, you're going to make it really fun and energetic and schedule games and breaks or songs for your orange staff. Um, you're going to make it really interesting and allow them to discover new things on their or try new things on their own. Um, or give them extra material to read if they choose to or the science behind it or whatever for your green staff. Um, But you really want to try to change things up within each um, session so that everybody's getting something that really sort of appeals to them. Cool. Gab, any other thoughts on tips and tricks? Yeah, I'll add uh, two more. Um, I I think with whatever... uh, um, staff group you have, uh, it's important to recognize what are some of the things you want to shift and what are some of the things you want to keep. Mm-hmm. And um, as as Beth had mentioned before, so, you know, there's there is a culture of young women that are 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 becoming quite perfectionist and they're very stressed and uh, they tend to be and um, they just sort of burn themselves out. And I was talking with a camp director and he had sort of a male he has male staff and he said that every camp should in their interviews ask um you know what 
what have you done for somebody lately? And he says, this really helps with, um, this really, really helps with me finding those right staff. And I was like, I do not want to ask that to my staff because <laughs> I don't want to perpetuate uh, this, this notion that I want them to do stuff for other people. I know they do it and it's without focusing on themselves. So I think there's, there's certain um, cultural norms that we have in our, in our camps and it's, it's important to recognize them and it's important to sort of uh, address them. So in, in my camp, play or, or uh, spontaneous play is a little bit difficult. Um, women have a hard time to just like pick up a ball and just start playing. So creating those pockets where um, there's spontaneous play, and if you can't see what I'm doing, doing like the little bunny ears. Um, <laughs> I have I have staff members that are there to encourage, like, oh, come, come, we're going to go play soccer, we're going to do this. So uh, it gets them used to just um, getting up and playing during those sort of break times. And that's something that's really important that I want my staff to do. Um, the other thing is something that I learned um, – from Jackie, who's our, who's the director uh, of our camp, and no matter what, you want everybody the, from the highest person at your camp to be doing the manual labor. So mm. putting in the docks, bring down the canoes. Obviously, if you're physically capable, but doing the grunt work, and it's very important for leadership team members to get this at, at the very beginning, um, because they do have a lot of work to do, and they tend to start to prioritize, like, oh, I just won't go put on the. Down, I won't take the canoes down. Is that okay, guys? I'm just going to work out this paperwork. Actually, no, this is one of the most important things for all staff members to do together. It's, it's team building, but it also says uh, we're in it together and that we're helping each other out. So um, I think that's something that should be incorporated. And if everything's set up at your camp already, make sure you have some some labor available for your staff so that they feel like they're contributing to, your, to the camp and it, yeah. it makes it theirs. Ownership is key. Yeah, so key. Agreed. Fantastic. Um, yeah, the last couple that I would add, uh, just going off what Beth said, using something visual. I love movie clips and YouTube clips and mm-hmm. videos. I put those into training a lot. Um, I think that they are, again, really helpful in getting the mind thinking, but also reaching out to our audience and, and getting them to say, oh, okay, this is something I should pay attention to because this clip just happened and it's, I don't totally know why it connects, but we're going to talk about it. <laughs> um, so... I think that that's really key using that mixed media using visuals i also think unstructured time you have to be very careful with it during staff orientation um, because you you want the staff to feel that their time is valued um, mm-hmm. but i think it's also really helpful to have some built-in unstructured time we have a free time as part of our camp program and it's before dinner and so as much as possible i try to include that into our orientation schedule as well and so the free time activities will be open. But one of the nice things about free time is if you just want to sit in the field and write in your journal or talk to a friend or start a jam session or whatever it might be, you have that opportunity to do it. Um, I have been through staff trainings that were so programmed that you got to the end of the day and you got you just you shut down because you couldn't absorb anything else. And so just having some of that downtime, whether that's in the form of a rest hour after lunch or a free time before dinner. Um, having that also utilizing your transitions really well, because that can be a nice, you know, ah, time to breathe and relax, but also be useful time. Um, I know something that Tom Heck does, uh, which, um, he, he did with our staff one year was he said, um, okay, we're going to go out to the field. And in that time, I want you to discuss three things that you've taken from this session. Uh, and so it was a nice time to process and review, but, um, we also, again, it was that kind of like that sigh of relief. You're not so heavily programmed, so heavily structured, learning every single moment of every single day. Um, so I think that's really key to, to build in. Can Um, I just add Ruby to that? Um, I think along uh, those lines, I think you need to be ready also when the time comes and don't do it very often, um, but to throw all of it out the window. So um, one particular day um, we were leading a session and it was, it had been such a hot week and in Ontario in June, you never know what you're going to get. It could be like freezing and everyone's wearing toques or it could be so hot that it's really hard for them to stay focused. Um, And all of a sudden we had this huge downpour in the middle of a session and you could just see the staff had been so drained by the humidity of the week. Um, And I just knew this was the moment. And so I said, and now for the next part of this session, we're all going to go outside 
And they just looked at me like I was crazy. And we puddle jumped for like half an hour and just played in the rain. Um, and I still have staff. I think that was like 10 years ago. And they still talk about the magic of that moment where we just said, because our one of our key phrases for us was always people before program. And so I just knew that we just needed to stop whatever session we were doing and go outside and play in the rain. Now, I also um, had these particular bottles that I was going to do something with later in the week. So while it was raining, uh, we collected little jars of raindrops um, near the end after we had done all this puddle jumping. And it was uh, amazing camp photos that came out of that uh, experience. But um, at the end of the week, I gave them back all their bottles of rain. Um, um, as a, a memory of that week and to remember all the magical moments that you can capture and hold with you. So sometimes you just have to be ready to toss it aside um, and just do something special. Very cool. Very cool. Um, so let's move on to our last question. Uh, and that is, how do you talk about the hard stuff? I think that's something that people a lot of times struggle with. How do you approach some of those topics that aren't as fun to talk about but need to be covered? Uh, Beth, do you want to start us off? As we discussed in one of our last podcasts uh, about returning staff facilitating training, you have to be really careful whom you choose to lead these particular hard sessions. You have to be sure that they are mature enough to handle them really well. So I think that's a key point. Um, we were always sure never to put them all together or even on the same day <laughs> um, and always follow them up with something warm or uh, something fun or something warm and fuzzy. Um, so uh, we were a co-ed camp and I often found that people just felt kind of uncomfortable and icky after the sexual harassment session. Um, and so to do something that brought us together as a group afterwards um, was really, uh, was key, I think. Um, being really sensitive when you have hard sessions. So um, if you're talking about bullying or a child abuse or something like that, have leadership team members who are really prepared to watch the rest of the staff during those diff difficult topics. Um, some staff may have experienced some of those things themselves uh, in their childhood or currently, and they may get upset. So you need to have really sensitive leadership training members who will notice those things, who can go over and sit beside them or quietly walk out with them out of the room, that kind of thing. Um, I think that's key to have that sort of foundation in place. And we would always explain to them ahead of time that these topics were really difficult and that it was okay to feel uncomfortable and um, to front load by telling them that you know that they will be really sensitive and mature as we handle the difficult conversations. Um, for us, we knew that it, you know, it doesn't ever get easier to do the hard topics. You just get better at it. So um, I think those are some of the things we thought about when we were doing the hard stuff. Cool. Great. What about you, Gab? Um, I think the hard topics are difficult uh, simply because we might be a little bit uncomfortable with them to begin with. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes what happens is we brush over them uh, in our minds. Uh, we're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do sexual harassment. And then you're kind of like, ah. But then if you're really passionate about, let's say, camp announcements, you're going to be getting costumes and you have like, you know, there's a whole setup and who knows, there's, there's stuff happening. There's a soundtrack. Um, and then the uncomfortable stuff, we're uncomfortable and therefore we sort of sometimes brush over it. So mm -hmm. I think recognize where you're at with some of these. That's the, that I feel that's the same with stuff that you might find is mundane. Um, mm -hmm. Things that you're not energized about or that make you uncomfortable tend to be difficult sessions because the person that's leading it uh, is having a hard time on how to convey that information. So just be aware of how, where you're at with those with those sessions or whoever's leading it. And and at the at the very end, you're always looking at making sure staff members are absorbing this information. So what information uh, you're going back to your basics? How are the staff absorbing it, and why do they need to? To, to know this and you know that's going to be sort of your guiding your guiding light and if you need to use small group discussions or if you need to uh, use visuals I think that whatever is going to get the information across will help you but just be aware where you're at with the information emotionally great and to tag team off of that something that we've done in the past is bring in guest speakers um, so having folks um, from our insurance company or a mental health professional or from social services, somebody who is more comfortable talking about these topics, 
um, can, can be a great resource. Um, they, it can also be really rough. So make sure you've really clearly <laughs> laid out expectations with them about what we need to cover. And are you comfortable talking in front of other people? Cause I've seen that happen as well. Like, Oh yeah, we'll bring somebody out from this organization. They deal with us all the time, but they are not comfortable mm-hmm. at all talking in front of people. And then you have a staff that's sitting there used to listening to really engaging, exciting leaders who are passionate about what they're talking about. And then we have this, and it just makes the whole thing worse. Um, but I think um, some of the best risk management discussions that I've, I've seen and, and sessions I've sat in on were people from our insurance company who came and just, that was their job. Their job was to go talk to camp people and talk about how to manage your risk. And um, so utilizing those resources I also really love using scenarios and small group discussions with um, those challenging moments or challenging situations because I think as a staff member, one of my biggest fears is that I'm going to have this situation happen and I'm just not going to know what to do in that very moment. You know, this child has disclosed something to me or mm-hmm. something has happened and I'm just not going to know what to say. Um, and so a couple ways you can do that. Um, we, at Nature's Classroom, we used to do what's your next move. And so um, after we did a staff manual review, this was part of our routine. And we would divide up into small groups, you know, return staff with new staff, and we'd be given a scenario. And then the small group would talk about, you know, this is the scenario, this is what I would do. And then uh, we would share with the whole group, and then we'd add on to that. The director would be able to give some feedback. Uh, but it was fantastic um, because it, it let you open your eyes to some of those challenging things that could happen, but also really have that moment of, okay, it's that moment right now, what do I do? Um, and I think having staff practice some of those phrases, really literally having them say them to each other is so key because when that situation happens, it's going to come out a lot lot easier um, than if they haven't ever said the words. I think it's very empowering for them to feel like they have the tool to react to those situations. Um, and, and one of the tactics that I like to use is to just set up a little scenario, whether it's in front of the whole group or a small group, and have one person that's been told, like, all right, you're going to say something, and you are the counselor role-playing as the, the person who's reacting. And the person who's reacting has no idea what's going to happen. Um, and so that, that person who has the, the, um, the quote or whatever setting up the scenario, they say whatever it is, and we watch that counselor react, that staff member say or do whatever they would do. And then we can debrief and, and talk about that. Um, and again, it's a great way for your, especially return staff at the beginning and then new staff to, to take another leadership role as well. Um, so I, I think that that's a, a fun way um, that's not just, let me tell you what we're going to do in this emergency. We get to kind of see it happen. We get to practice. Any other thoughts on the hard stuff? I think you want to be sure that you've set everything up um, to set the mood. So I always used to talk about that with staff who were leading sessions. I wanted them to think about every session like a theatrical experience. And so um, were they using music or were they using costume or, you know, what would, how was the audience participation, those kinds of things. So when you're dealing with the hard stuff, I always wanted to think about how the, um, the staff were seated. So if we were talking about something really difficult, um, Um, like child abuse or those kinds of things, putting them into a nice circle where they're not sort of facing me and I'm, you know, lecturing at them, but we were in a circle. We were in a cohesive group. Um, You know, I didn't want certain topics to be done with them sitting at tables where they're separated from each other. You wanted to think about what mood you were trying to create and, and go for. Um, So I always would think about their physical comfort. Uh, You know, is it too hot? Are they too tired? Is it a session right after lunch? Then don't put it there. Um, you know, all of those kinds of things, but to me, and I mean, we're also changing it up all the time so that they weren't always sitting in sort of lecture format, but putting them into positions where they're going, it's going to make the topic easier, um, and more comfortable for them. Great. Gab, did you have any other thoughts on that one? No, but all of my staff are going to be saying this summer, what's my next move? (laughs) They're going to, they're going to be like, oh, you went to a conference and this went. I'm like, no. I learned it on a podcast. So. They know. They're like, oh, this is her new thing. <laughs> yes, it is. Guess what we're going to be saying this summer? I'm already translating it in French. Oh, good. <laughs> good, good. 
Um, the last thought I would throw out on that is, again, to consider that timing. Um, I tend to like to put some of that heavier stuff earlier and early in the day, mm-hmm. um, whether it's the first thing or, you know, sandwiched between a couple other topics. Um, I think that that can be helpful because then you're not sending the staff to bed, like mulling over this really hard thing. By the time they go to bed, you know, it was ages ago that you covered this thing and, and it's not going to weigh on them so heavily. Every time we did the risk management talk in any staff training I've ever been in, I always have that moment of like, why do I do this? <laughs> uh, because it's an intimidating discussion when you're talking about emergency procedures and all the things that could go wrong. And that can really weigh on people. So um, do consider that. And, um, and, and yeah, so that's what I would add to that. So I think it's about that time. Gab, tell us what we learned today. <laughs> well, I know I learned so much. So uh, let's start with the big picture. Uh, simplify, uh, run your, set, your training like, uh, like summer camp. Um, have your leadership team slash senior staff maybe be the role model counselors. Uh, the counselors can be campers. Be ready, be ready, be ready. I think we say that in every single podcast. Uh, sequencing your sessions, uh, you have to respect that. Um, ask your parents to stay for lunch and even participate in perhaps a fun camp activity. Um, staff training, let's keep consistent uh, consistent uh, times. Scheduling and modules, spell things out. Let them know what, what is expected of them. Ask them what they expect from you. Um, make sure that we're respecting all personality types, uh, always ask why. Bring it back. Uh, also, physically change the learning positions. Use media, unstructured time, flexible schedule, people before program. Uh, peppermints are very good for concentration. <laughs> Who knew? Rest hours also important for staff. Fidget toys, I'm going to be using that this summer. And always use visuals. Um, for the hard stuff, let's be sensitive and express that this is, this is tough stuff, but we need to go through it. Um, uh, set it up. Uh, so that everyone is comfortable, uh, know where you're at, check with your emotions, bring in experts, but make sure they're good ones. Um, <laughs> uh, what what mood are you trying to create? And again, respect the schedule. And that's what we learned today. Awesome. And we want you all to get involved so you can join us on the hashtag Camp Code and tell us what topics you would like to discuss, uh, any guests that you'd recommend we talk to, and any great leadership training tips that you might have to share. We'd love to hear them because this industry is all about sharing, and that's one of the things that makes it so fantastic to be a part of. Um, So we want you to know how to get in touch with us. Let's start with you, Beth. Uh, How can people find you if they want to get in touch with you? They can find our website at camphacker.tv. They can email me directly at beth at camphacker.tv. Or you can find us on Twitter um, on the hashtag camphacker. Cool. How about you, Gab? Uh, you can check out where I work at waro.com. You can email me at gabs, G-A-B-Z, at waro.com. And you can also follow me on Twitter, Gabrielle Real. Cool. And you can find me at greenriverpreserve.org. I'm also on Twitter at rubylynn85. uh, Or you can email me, ruby at greenriverpreserve.org. So, Beth, why don't you tell us what's coming up with our next podcast? Mm, Our next podcast is a great topic. We're going to be talking about that was this year, last year, this is this year. Um, So we'll be talking about recovering from a bad year or how to do things right if this is your first year. Cool. And our final segment on each podcast is a best practice for leadership trainings. And we would love to hear some of your most memorable moments or most effective tips. We actually have a show coming up. Um, where we're going to be sharing all best practices um, and, you know, those most memorable staff training moments that you've experienced. And we would love to hear some of yours. And you can tell us again what those are at hashtag camp code. This week's best practice is all about names. It is vitally important to learn the names of your staff, just Mm -hmm. like it's important for our staff to learn their campers' names. And so whether you need to create a cheat sheet ahead of time, if you're collecting bios for your website and studying up, whatever it takes, as an employee, if the director or the big boss knows your name, it sure makes that employee Mm -hmm. feel a little more appreciated and a little more like a real person and a little more like somebody is watching out for them in this new environment. 
likewise, I remember as a staff member desperately wanting to know everybody else's name. I craved that time when you stood in a giant circle for an hour <laughs> and each person shared his or her name and how many years they've been at camp and what their favorite adjective was that started with the same first letter as their name. <laughs> I mean, all of those things. I wanted that so bad. And I know now that there are lots of other ways to introduce staff in more engaging and personable ways. However, you have to keep in mind that your staff want to get to know each other, and they may come in with that expectation that that time is going to happen, but they also may not always have the tools to meet each other and introduce themselves. They just may not know how to do that. Um, so something that I did when I worked at YMCA Camp Wijiwagan in Nashville, we had a staff of approximately 150. And by our opening campfire, which to be fair was usually the second night of training, uh, my goal was always to get up in front of the whole staff and I would go through and call out everyone by name. So they would stand up in the rows they were sitting and I would just, you know, clink, 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 clink right through. Um, the other thing that makes this a little bit difficult is that everybody had camp names. So there was no studying ahead of time. I had to learn them in the time that they had gotten there. Um, but the point was that if in 24 hours I can learn 150 names, you in 15 minutes can learn the names of your 12 kids in your tribe or your cabin. And I spent a lot of time in that first 24 hours of staff training, just walking up to any staff at every free moment possible and saying, hi, what's your name? Nice to meet you, Twigs. I'm Ruby. Twigs, tell me a little bit about how you found out about camp. And a key to remembering names is repetition. I remember hearing somewhere, sometime, that it takes about seven times of repetition, of hearing somebody's name, saying somebody's name, to make it stick. The other really big key is to actively listen when somebody tells you their name. Because all too often, we've all done it, you ask somebody's name, and then you're spending the time that they tell, they're telling you your name, contemplating what you're going to say next. So actively listen, repeat in your head seven times, and show off your mad name remembering <laughs> skills. Thanks for listening, and please join us on the hashtag Camp Code. Please remember, no other industry shares its best practices the way summer camps do. If you use an idea heard on a Camp Hacker podcast, please be professional and give credit where credit is due. The Camp Code is brought to you by Beth and Travis Allison summer camp leadership training and marketing consultants. Thanks for the listening friends. Camp Hacker, bringing your world into focus.